Welcome back to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In each episode of this podcast, I look at one of the works of Philip K. Dick in the order of publication. And today I am beginning a very short series, just four episodes on the short stories Philip K. Dick published in 1959. And the first of these is a short story called Explorers We. It's not a very original idea in the sense that Dick actually explored this concept before in another story, but it's done in a really interesting way in this particular tale. And it takes on a theme Dick had been working on in his the novels he published in the late 1950s, which is shifting realities and really internalizes it within individual characters. So the idea becomes then, am I myself a simulation, right? So if you remember from Time Out of Joint, you actually have characters who are part of the simulation. So there was the people who experienced the simulation as their real life. There were the people who were part of the conspiracy. And then there were essentially program people, people who just the NPCs, I guess, of that world. And the question Dick sort of asked in this story is, do those NPCs have subjectivity and consciousness? And how do they experience what it's like to, to, to live in a simulation or to even to be the simulation? Now, a little bit about the timeline of these stories. I talked a bit uh, when I was looking at stories like The Unreconstructed M and The Null, how Dick sort of took a break from publishing short stories. He wrote most of his short stories in... 1952, 1953, 1954, about half of them were published in those those three years. And it, some of them weren't published until much later. And the best example of that was Noel, which although written in 1953, I want to say, um, wasn't published till 1958. Now, more or less, after, published, after writing The Unreconstructed M in 1955, Dick took a break from from writing short stories, and he really focused on novels. And it wasn't really until 1963 that he picked up the writing of short stories again. Uh, there are two exceptions to this, and these were both written in in 1958, and that's Explorers We and War Games. So this is a story that, that Dick, Dick had the idea of when, in 1958 at some point, maybe when he was writing Time Out of Joint. So maybe it was, this is an offshoot of the ideas he was playing with in, in Time Out of Joint. So this is just one of two stories he wrote in that long desert of where he was focusing exclusively on, on novel writing. Okay, so it's it was written originally in 1958. It was published in January of 1959. So we get to see here that Dick's made a name for himself. He doesn't have to wait. He doesn't have to beg to get his stories published anymore. You know, he sends them off to his agent and they get published pretty quick from this point on in his career. So it was originally published in fantasy and science fiction. Uh, You can find it in the fourth volume of the collected stories of Philip K. Dick, the one titled Minority Report and Other Classic Stories by Philip K. Dick. Now, speaking of this, there's not that much you can find just on the bookshelves in Taiwan by Philip K. Dick. I mean, the the big bookstore here is called Chenping or Eslit, and they have usually have a decent Western sci-fi section. You can usually find some new releases at least. Uh, mostly though, it's like they're much better with kids books 
because there's a lot of young people learning English here. But you can occasionally find decent stuff on the shelves of those bookstores. Philip K. Dick, usually you'll find like a copy of Time, uh, Man in the High Castle and a copy of Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, usually labeled as, as Blade Runner. And this volume of the Collected Stories, the Minority Report one, you can't find the other four uh, volumes. And I guess it's just that what they think they can sell because of the movie tie-in or whatever. But anyways, this is, it's, you know, it's it's not as good. It, it doesn't make a good anthology, I guess, was what I was thinking of when I looked at it. You know, if you're going to have one anthology of Dick's writings, you know, there's other anthologies out there that collect some of his better stories into, under one cover rather than just this, this volume four of, of, of a five-volume series. But anyways, um, moving on to this, the story itself. It's a, it's a very concise story. It's, it's um, it, it would fit easily in like a Twilight Zone episode. So we have a spaceship crew returning to Earth. They had some mechanical difficulties and they, uh, during their return trip from Mars. And they're very happy to, to see their home planet again. They talk about the people they miss. They talk about how excited they are to get back. They all expected to have died in space after these mechanical difficulties. And they just really, you know, are chit-chatting about their girls, their families, the, the things they're going to enjoy when they get back to, to Earth. So it's a very nice pre-landing conversation. They land the ship. It's, it's still in bad shape, but they land it near San Francisco. They're delighted and they go out and they see a group of kids and the kids flee as soon as they see the crew. Um, but the crew members say, well, we just look so filthy. We look like hobos or tramps. And that's all why these kids are running away from us. So they don't originally they don't think too much of this. They go into the city and they find more and more people who flee when they approach running from their cars or hiding behind the shades in their homes. I, I, in fact, I was reminded of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft story, The Outsider, which has this similar idea where a man for the first time is leaving his castle and is walking around and everyone just runs away from him and screams and hides when they, when they see him. And at the end, he, he finds out why as he looks in a mirror and he finds out he's like a hideous ghoul or something. But that's the experience these guys are having. Just everyone's fleeing as they approach. And now for a few, you say, okay, we look bad. We look kind of dirty and we look like criminals maybe. But when everyone's fleeing you, you know something is up. They go to a cafe to see if they can get served. And the captain waits in the empty building. Everyone's fled. No server arrives. And about not long after, while they're sitting there, a black sedan arrives and the men come out. They're, these are like the men in black, right? They're, they're actually, they're FBI agents. They ask to speak to the captain. They point the guns at the crew. And the crew tries to explain to the FBI that they're members of that Earth-Mars expedition. They're returning to Earth. Um, but the FBI men explain that the expedition has failed and the entire crew had died. And then shoots these, these men. And then... So that's the end of the story of the of this crew. They're all shot dead by the FBI. And then we learn that this is actually the 22nd time that a replica of the Earth-Mars expedition has returned to Earth. That there are aliens who are trying to infiltrate Earth. And they must have, the way they infiltrated is they basically create these replicas of the expedition to kind of sneak their way in. And they must have based their knowledge of Earth on these six members of the crew. 
And they assumed that everyone on Earth looks like these six who died on their ship that crashed on Mars, so they'll be able to basically filter into to society. They do debate the morality of killing these creatures since they seem to think they're human. They seem to be programmed to think they're human. And we know this as readers by this point, that no one had brought up before that the, the idea that maybe we're aliens or, or we're here to invade Earth. So they think they're fully human. So there's this question of whether it's more, morally right to kill someone with this subjectivity. And one of the agents suggests, well, maybe they can become human over time. Maybe they're not a threat. Maybe they're not evil. But they decide they have to assume for the safety of the planet that these people are permanently inhuman. And as the story ends, we get another replica of the Earth-Mars expedition returning to Earth. And we again are talking to the crew, all of whom are delighted to be returning home. And that's it. That's the whole story. It's only about 10 pages. So this story has a couple parallels to other Dick stories. Uh, a clear one is imposter. So the first time Dick played with this idea that maybe someone is a robot and they're a simulation and they don't, they're simulating a life of a human and they think they're a human and they don't realize they're a robot. That was in that story, imposter. But it's also a bit like uh, a story he would write later called War, War of the Floons or something like that, or FNL. F-N-O-O-L-S, I think. And that's where you have an alien invasion where the aliens completely misunderstand or misrepresent themselves. They're trying to infiltrate and sneak in, but they're completely bad at it, right? And I think there's a bit of a Cold War overhang to the story, too. This, Because you have these, you know, imagine they're like Soviet agents, right? They, they come in and they pretend they're Americans, but they have a really bad a really strong Russian accent, their English is all broken, they drink vodka all the time, and they wear the, the Russian hat or something, and they forget to take off their stars, their red stars. And then everyone obviously knows that they're, they're communist agents, yet they, they still think they're putting on a good show, right, because they talk about hamburgers or something. That's kind of the feel you get. So it's kind of this the, the, buff, the buffoonish secret agent who doesn't, who can't fit into the, the culture. The twist on this, of course, is deep down, these people really believe that they're, they're who, who they've been programmed to believe, right? And the fact that they end up getting shot every time, is, it's, it baffles them. But it's a really, really bad infiltration plan. And I, I think that's Dick having a little bit fun, having a little bit of fun with the paranoia over, over infiltration and the spy versus spy dynamic. It's something that Dick does really well, actually. He, he writes a lot of stories about kind of based on the Cold War spy versus spy motif. But this one is just having a little bit of fun with that. And, and Where he gets serious, though, is in the, the question of the morality of killing this crew continually. They are fake replicas, but to what degree are they killing people with experiences and, and fears and sufferings? And, you know, is it causing suffering? By some utilitarian logic, you should say, maybe we shouldn't do this, just confine them or whatever. Because they're given human memories. And so the question is, are human memories enough to establish one's humanity? And in a way, I find a hard time arguing that there's not something to this. You know, who we are is, a, you know, what, what are we? What's our nature, right? That's a good philosophical question. Well, it seems, this is just my opinion, but it seems it's a combination of our nature. It's a, it's a bit of our habits and our training, the, the nurture stuff, but... You know, a lot of what we do, we do because we're trained to, right? And because it's our habit. And 
you know, some people, they smoke because it's a habit, but other people don't smoke because it's a habit, right? We, we just build up certain, you know, behaviors over time. And I think this is something William James talks about in his discussion of, of kind of free will, right? You know, we may not have free will, but we can kind of cultivate certain habits and behaviors that can sort of simulate a bit of a free will. So we got we got our our nature, we have our our habits, and then we have masks we wear, of course, and those can change. People often wear different masks throughout the day, depending on on the time of day, depending on who they're with, right? And this is something Dick plays with in time on a joint too because you have so many characters who are wearing different masks at different times but the idea that you might be a very authoritarian boss in the workplace a very mean person but at home a very loving father and and husband this is because we are capable of wearing different masks and maybe those are also habits of 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 training right and then of course we have our memories but memories are a big part of how we kind of build up our habits and behavior over time i guess I, i have doubts that there's kind of a true essential self like a soul like a ghost in the machine that we are more of an aggregate of our programming is what i'm trying to say and so in that sense i don't see how these people are less human than 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 i guess people who were born on earth i guess by dick's dick dick would want to say it's it's empathy and he talks about this a lot in other works that empathy is the way we define humanity but empathy comes from our memories and our experiences Now, what's not known by the FBI men is that these people do have human memories. Oh, they just see them and shoot them. They don't really know. The reader knows that they have this deep desire to see their family. They very much miss it, that they are a perfect copy of the people who left, who left Earth and died on the mission. They're even given these traumatic experiences. They barely survived the expedition. And that trauma has to be considered as part of their claim to humanity, it seems to me. And it's not clear that these aliens are malevolent as well, right? They're, we can't know that. We, we have to sort of trust the FBI agents that this is an alien invasion and that these people have a bad intention. If they did, it's a really, the aliens went about it really in a strange way. Now, maybe they're like imposter. The alien, the, the robot's an imposter. That at some point a switch will go off and then they'll be, you know, double agents. They're the perfect double agent because, you know, a switch can go off on them and they'll have different personalities. But we have no evidence of that. Right. It seems actually that they might just be curious and they're trying to learn. Or maybe they're just another option is maybe they're just trying to return the crew members home and they're trying to be benevolent. They, they don't understand why these people wouldn't want these family members back. Right. I'm reminded of the Iroquois kind of morning Iroquois Confederacy morning wars. Right. So after European contact, many Iroquois died due to the increase of war, the hunting for the beaver skins, but also disease. And often when the Iroquois would capture people, they would take them in and try to recruit them into, into the family, make them fill, fill the roles of people who were lost, right? So the captive would then give a choice. We can kill you or you can be Uncle Joe or something. And a lot of people would then choose to be Uncle Joe. This even comes up in the Leatherstocking Tales. I think it shows up mostly in the Deerslayer, the first of those um, Leatherstocking Tales, when Deerslayer is captured and given the option of marrying the wife of the man he killed. So maybe since they're just trying to fill the hole left by these dead crew members by putting in these replicas. We don't even know if these things are robots or if if they're some kind of android or if they're aliens that have their mind wiped. 
and our shapeshifters, none of this is really given to us. Now, from the human point of view, the entire bizarre situation is just evidence that aliens are incapable of understanding humans. So again, these are really the bad, the bad covert agents who can't fit in. One FBI man says, quote, maybe they're so different, no context possible. Do you think, do they think we're all named Leon and Meriwether and Parkhurst and Stone? That's the part that personally gets me down. Or maybe that's our chance. The fact that they don't understand we're individuals, end quote. Now, one gets away and they're in the story and is later killed. Now, they get a closer look at it and they find that they're really flawed replicas, which is, I mean, physically, they're more flawed replicas, which, but it seems their internal monologue is very authentic and real. And maybe we're tricked by that. Maybe those, those, those memories are very superficial too. Or maybe the, all these pe- people can do is sit around and talk about the good old days. Maybe that was the mindset of the people when they were killed. The original crew, when they were killed, they were thinking about their family. So that's all the aliens are able to really recreate is this nostalgia for the, for the good old days. And then that's a very superficial humanity. We really don't know enough. And we're just kind of left with all these questions. Um, but of course, the, the, the replicas here are very awkward. They don't know how to button their shoes. They don't or put on their shoes. They don't know how to button their clothing. They're, they're just really very, very awkward. They have that creepy, disheveled appearance, partially because they're presented as having gone through trauma, but also because these replicas don't understand so much about humanity. The alien imposters, there's also kind of a subtle class dimension to the hostility they face and the fact that they look a bit like hobos here. One of the aliens seems to understand this by pointing out that the children fear him because they look like these tramps. The way people avoid them on the streets, refusing to serve them in a cafe, lock their doors, we have kind of the way that many neglected members of society must feel. Or um, back in Jim Crow days, racial minorities might have felt this way. So it's, you know, this they're outsiders and they experience what it's like to be an outsider in their brief moments alive on Earth. And so there's a bit of a class or maybe even a racial dimension to this isolation and the separation these characters feel. So um, anyways, that does it for Explorers We. Again, there's, there's not a whole lot here, but it's, it's a rather fun take on an idea Dick first explored in Imposter about this idea of someone being a, a simulation. And, and how deep does that go, right? And I think as, you know, when we read the story, they're presented fully as human to us at the beginning. And over time, we realize how less, how unhuman they are and how flawed they were as replicas. And we were really tricked. And I, I think Dick did a really interesting thing in the way he, he tricks us into actually buying into their essential humanity. And I think we can't come up with a clear answer one way or another, at the end of, even at the end of the story. But we are a bit hesitant to grant them full humanity by the end of the story, as we were at the beginning. So anyways, that does it for explores we um the next episode i'll be looking at the short story recall mechanism which is a story about mental illness and it's a really it's another really good idea so it's a fun story um but i'll see you then uh so thanks for listening if you have your own comments on explores we please leave them below what do you think the story is really about what is it trying to tell us um but if if not i'll just be back shortly with a recall mechanism Thanks for listening. Poses my tired thoughts once more. The dreaming dies.
that living dies, that living dies. 